One of my favorite propaganda songs is It's Complicated. It kind of encompasses, I think, what you just said, which is, may we be refuge for the complicated. Um, and I think, like, as followers of Jesus, that is our opportunity. That is our invitation to be a refuge um, for the complicated, the complicated humans and the complicated situations and all of the all of the things in the world that just feel so heavy and so big. Um, like, can we be a refuge for that? Um, I think Jesus embodied that, you know, as a human. You're listening to Upside Down Podcast, an ecumenical conversation at the intersection of justice, spirituality, and culture. We've created this space with you in mind. So join us for unscripted conversations on God's upside down kingdom. Welcome back. It's 2020 and already it's complicated. This is Upside Down Podcast. You can find our show notes on Instagram, which is simply Upside Down Podcast. This show is currently 100% listener funded and we have lots of things we'd love to do. So if you'd like to throw a couple bucks our way to keep this podcast free and free of ads, visit us on patreon.com slash upside down podcast or upside down podcast.com and click give in the upper right-hand corner. In this episode, we're discussing what it is to attempt to be an engaged, thoughtful, neighbor-loving human in a world where every choice has unintended and possibly unknown consequences. And things can get real complicated real quick. I'm Lindsay Wallace. I will be your host, and I'm joined today by Kayla Craig, Alyssa Molino, and Gina Siliberto. Say hey, ladies. Hey. Hello. <laughs> that We're was back. in unison. We're back. <laughs> We've been practicing. <laughs> this is one of my favorite types of episodes because it's one of those topics that has come up organically in our unrecorded conversation. So we have a Voxer group where we talk mostly about the podcast, but also other things and just life. And, um, something that we've been working on in our own lives or working through in our own lives is this. Um, this idea that things are complicated. So to introduce the topic of It's Complicated, we're going to talk about an episode of The Good Place. And I don't know this. Do all of you guys watch The Good Place? This is Kayla and I do. This is Gina and I don't. Yeah, I've watched watched like one or two. Okay. And you didn't get sucked in, huh? Yeah, not. No. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nope. So for those unfamiliar, including Elisa and Jelena, Elisa and Jelena. Who is Jelena? Elisa (laughs) and Gina. Sorry. The Good Place is a comedy about moral philosophy. And so the brainchild is Mike Schur, who came up with the idea for the show while he was driving around LA and he noticed all the annoying things that people do, like cutting you off in traffic or throwing trash on the ground. And so he started in his mind assigning them points, right? So in this imaginary scenario in his head, Good points would get you into heaven and bad points would get you sent to you know where. So his idea turns into a show and The Good Place is a show all about what happens after you die. So did you do enough good to enter The Good Place or do you go to The Bad Place because of all the bad things that you did? So the show centers around four humans who end up in The Bad Place and in season three, episode 11, there's a scene where the demon who was initially assigned to torture them, is now trying to help them convince the judge that the point system is all flawed. So the demon has come 
to love the humans. And now he's trying to help them and help them get into the good place. So he says to the judge, life now is so complicated. It's impossible for anyone to be good enough for the good place. Just buying a tomato at the grocery store means you unwittingly are supporting toxic pesticides, exploiting labor, contributing to global warming. Humans think they are making one choice, but they're actually making dozens of choices they don't even know they're making. And that resonates with us pretty deeply. And so we're here to talk about it. So I would love to hear from you guys. How does this whole idea of it's complicated being human manifest itself in your own lives? Anybody got an example? I I, I was just really excited that we were going to talk about this because I'm feeling like I'm living this constantly every single day because I'm trying to be like really intentional with um, how I go about quote unquote, like helping my neighbor or, you know, coming into walking alongside them or any of that stuff. Every single time I try to like decide what that looks like, um, sometimes it ends up, I end up feeling like I'm doing more harm than good. Um, Mm. I'm trying really hard to find out here in, um, the suburb that I live in how to be, um, a great ally to those working in the education system to kind of level the playing field a little bit. And sometimes I just, I feel like uh, I need to, to be quiet more than I need to do because I don't even, it's almost paralyzing to be like, Oh wait, what if I go in and I, you know, make a bigger mess? Um, so all it, that story totally resonates with me uh, in where I'm trying to move like right now in this phase of my life. Yeah. I feel like it totally resonates with me too. And I think about it a lot with elected officials. Um, Like I think I often think about like, okay, if I were running for office, which I don't necessarily have an aspiration to do, but it's like a fun thought experiment. I'm like, what would I change? Like what needs to be changed? How can we change our world? And then I like the more that I've thought about this, it's so clear to me that everything has unintended consequences. And it's like you can do something that you think would be really helpful or like help, uh, you know, uplift people who are marginalized or something. And I don't know. It's I, that's something that really frustrates me because it's like, well, like down the road, it'll lead to like more like negative consequences um, because I think everything that we do has positive and negative consequences. And I don't know. I don't I definitely get in my head about this a lot. Yeah, it's easy to do. I think it was just recently that I like started paying to paying attention to the fact that like even going on mission isn't to other countries isn't always like, you know what I mean? And it's so like, that's a big one or just like adoptions versus like trying to help families, you know, keep their bait. It just, yeah, it just, just basically paying attention to it and then making sure that I'm trying to be part of a positive um, solution, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those, I think, it, scenarios of once you know, you can't unknow, you know, like once you see something, you can't unsee it, once you, you can't go back, but then you're stuck in this tension of like, oh, crap, <laughs> now I feel a responsibility and a weight to do something, but what do I do? And yeah, we're going to dive into some of that 
in a little bit. The example that came to mind first for me personally, um, although I love the good place example of the tomato, is um, one of my sons is really into um, just anything like nature creation related. And so for Christmas, I got him a couple of Greta Thornburg books, um, one that she wrote herself and then another one that was written about her life and climate change. And so my son read these books. And then a week or so later, we were driving in our car and he was just really stressing out about not being able to buy toys because the toys are made of plastic and plastic is bad for the environment. And I'm not allowed to buy plastic, he says. And I'm like, well, and I didn't read these books before I gave them to him. So I'm like, oh, crap, what did the books say? And so I'm like, well, buddy, did the, book, did the books tell you you can't have plastic? And he was like, no, but plastic is bad for the environment and it puts off all these toxins and yada, yada. And so I can't have it. I'm not allowed. And I was like, okay. And so we're talking about what toys he could possibly buy that don't aren't made of plastic. And he's getting increasingly more um, disturbed throughout the conversation. So kind of towards the end of it, he was like, can we get an electric car? And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen anytime soon. And he was like, well, I'm not even supposed to be in this car right now because it's using fuel. And he was just like so distraught and so torn. And on one hand, I felt pretty bad for like exposing him to this, you know, existential crisis that he was facing. But on the other hand, I was also like, "Eh, yep, this is like what it is to be human, you know, like, once you learn, you're stuck in this place of, I've got to do something, but what do I do? And all those questions that you were asking, Elisa, about not doing harm and all of that is is kind of what, what we're going to dive into. Um, and I think, um, Elisa, something that you said in one of our more organic conversations is like, once we've worked on ourselves, um, sort of like, where do we go from here? Once we know how complicated the world is, how much suffering and inequality there is, then what? And I just loved how you phrased the once we've worked on ourselves, because I think that's so important. And I want to kind of draw that out, um, that so much of the work that we're doing is, and I use work kind of in air quotes, is internal and it's ongoing, right? So like, we're not going to arrive at some enlightened state this side of heaven, also the good place, where we have no more internal work to do. Um, And so I feel like for me, I don't know if you guys experience this or not, but in a lot of ways, just acknowledging that, like acknowledging that most of the work I have to do is internal, um, takes some of the pressure off to like do the right thing or to do something that may or may not be helpful and that actually may have unintended negative consequences. I don't, have you guys found that to be true or do you have a different experience? I think for me, for sure, um, working on, and that's kind of why, why I, I sent that message to you guys, because, um, I think really listening to a lot of the, the voices that we've had on the podcast, um, that is a major takeaway for me in that I have so many biases and I have so much stuff that I have to work on um, before I can even uh, begin to. And I think that working on myself has actually helped me pay attention um, and be strategic and intentional with how I go about helping, um, you know, and who I um how I listen. I listen a whole lot more than I used to. I used to walk in a room and assume that I kind of 
new things and and had leadership capabilities. And so I think that working in myself has really helped me to be a lot more careful moving forward. And I think that if we take more care in how we're trying to help and who we're trying to help and why we're trying to help even, that was one of the big places that I grew where it was like me learning that I'm supposed to be in community with you know, learning about saviorism and all this has helped me just move in the world kinder, I guess, gentler. I think that's a good word, gentler, because it also helps us be gentler to ourselves. Like when we start thinking, well, every single thing I do is going to have a million consequences. And, you know, it's like the butterfly effect, like, like, like taking a step back and realizing like actually the whole world does not revolve around me and every decision I make. And like, (laughs) if I do one thing, I'm not, you know, setting everything off for a war. You know what I mean? Like having that, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of sense to like Lindsay said, do the inner, um, and work. And that's not, and I think we'll talk about this later. Like that's not an excuse to like let ourselves off the hook and do nothing and feel nothing, but more like to be more aware of ourselves and more aware as Christians of who God is and, and grace and um, the fact that the world is all connected and every action, you know, has a reaction, but every good, good action has a reaction too. You know what I mean? So every act of kindness and of mercy and of love also has like ripple effects and kind of like, you know, you set off one domino and it all goes. And that's the same for, love too. So I think that um, is, you know, something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. Kayla, do you want to talk about cognitive dissonance and how that has like played out in your life? Yeah. So I've been thinking about cognitive dissonance, which is kind of a a term that psychologists use to describe um, when you're feeling, when your feelings of discomfort result when your beliefs run counter to your behaviors or new information that's presented to you. So it's like, you know something, but then you kind of turn off that knowledge and you do something else. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's that, you know, like, okay, this is just an, you know, made up example, but let's say you need a computer and you go buy a MacBook, but you've also read an article about what goes into a MacBook and who makes the MacBook and, you know, like the, um, the different stuff that was mined. So you could have this computer and what, and the factory and all of these different things. But ultimately you kind of have cognitive dissonance and you, and you buy the computer so you can do, you know, ministry work on it or something, you know what I mean? So it's like kind of this idea of like, we all have this and we all have this every day. Um, And, you know, the holidays were not too far removed from, and I feel like everyone is still recovering from the holiday hangovers in so many different ways, especially those of us um, who do a lot of family stuff or who have kids. And I have such core convictions that, you know, we need to resist consumerism and that capitalism is not like the one way of God. And, and I, and I feel that very strongly. And yet I'm like, let's celebrate the the birth of our Lord by like, 
I have a straight up spreadsheet for the gifts that I'm getting my kids and I'm trying to like get the best deal and like, you know, well, this kid got this. So then I have to do this. And then like, mm-hmm. and part of that, you know, is like, we, we want to give gifts and, and there's nothing, you know, inherently wrong with that. But I feel that cognitive dissonance there, right? Where it's like, well, everything I buy, you know, what was made where? And, and then you're just like, like blitzed. Um, so it's a, it's like a real struggle. Like these are real things. And, and I feel like, um, it's easier sometimes to like numb out and just sit, just not care, just not pay attention, just kind of close your eyes and go to sleep. Um, but I would be interested to know, like when Mm -hmm. we talk about cognitive dissonance, are there things that come to mind that have examples in your everyday real life? Not, they don't have to be sexy, you know, just like real honest, um, times where you've kind of been like, Oh gosh, I think one way, but you know, I'm doing this. Like I was, I always take a picture like before Christmas morning of what, what we have under the tree. And it's not like, you know, excessive, but I always, I'm like, well, I'm not going to put that on Instagram. People are going to be like, what? You have, you have a podcast called Upside Down Podcast. And then you're getting your kid, you know, Pokemon cards. Like what? So yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was like 100% real for me this Christmas season because Honestly, I think I read an article either one of y'all sent me or it was on our newsletter and it was about Amazon. And I was like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Like, that's like where I get 99.9% of our gifts. And so I told my husband, Mm -hmm. I was like, not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And so I ran around our little suburb <laughs> picking up stuff from from stores and then at the end there were a couple that I that I did do on Amazon but I was like in major I was in major conflict over it. I was like I had no idea and now I know and what do I do? And this saves me so much time and energy and it makes me less crazy and isn't that good that I'm not crazy for my kids and I think I think our listeners really felt that because I had put up a poll on our Instagram stories like, will you be using Amazon this season? And I just kind of put it up like, you know, without thinking much about it. And it was like neck and neck for almost the entire time it was live. Like I was glued to my phone watching our listeners <laughs> like weigh in on this poll because it was like, like 11, yes, nine, no, like 14 no you know 12 yes it but like the entire time it was up and I think you guys pulled through like the no the no team (laughs) came through but only at the last minute um (laughs) so I don't yeah I suspect you're not the only one like doing the Amazon back and forth yeah 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 I think something something that was very real for me this Christmas season is um actually I didn't get a tree this year but it wasn't a choice it was like a time I didn't have feel that I had the time to do it um but I love getting a tree every year and it's kind of hard to like get and transport a tree in the city and I always do it and I get like a six foot one and I've had like tree decorating parties like I just really really enjoy that part of preparing for Christmas and um one of my friends posted on Facebook like when in the city when you get rid of your trees you just put them like on the sidewalk and so there are piles of trees everywhere and yeah, one of my friends posted like a sidewalk of all these like dead trees and was like, man, this is like really sad that this is what we're doing to nature. Like we're just taking trees out of the woods and then bringing them into our homes and then discarding them on the sidewalk. And the picture looked so pathetic. Like it looked (gasps) awful. And I was like, 
oh my gosh like this is one of my favorite things about preparing for christmas and like i'm like a tree killer villain like (laughs) no (laughs) every year i kill a new one um yeah but at the same time i'm like trying to be like zero waste and like have eliminated paper products largely from my home but like taking a tree (laughs) i yeah yeah just give me the tree yeah (laughs) can i just at least get the tree i think like you guys, I because I yeah, no, yeah. go ahead and finish your thought. Well, okay, because I now live alone. Um, like this, if this should be edited out, that's fine. But like I just for myself use family cloth, which is not toilet paper. And then when guests come over, I have tons of toilet paper. But like I am very serious about trying to eliminate paper products. So the tree so, yeah, of the I'm road like, crushed you. That's what you're saying. <laughs> crushed your spirit. Well, I'm crushed saying like I totally want a tree. Yeah. yeah. Like I want a whole tree. Like how much toilet paper is one tree? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point system, right? Like how much good do I have to do to balance out the bad? Exactly. This is why it's complicated. It's so complicated. I think I want to, I have, I mean, the main example that comes to mind for me is um, like real life is um, not happening to me currently, but when I visit cities where there's a lot of gentrification happening, um, like I'm invited to eat, and Elisa, we've talked about this, eat at a restaurant that has um, gentrified a community. And so I, in that moment, have like... (laughs) it feels and this is kind of the tension that I hope we move into with our conversation like I have one of two options right like I can totally boycott this restaurant because they've gentrified this neighborhood and they've displaced people and it's not okay or I can go and eat there and probably the person in the back washing the dishes lives in that neighborhood and now he's got a job I mean that's like feels like the the two options and I've been in that situation um several times and it's yeah, it's complicated. I do want to point out that we recognize this is a, a highly privileged conversation to be having. And actually in that episode of The Good Place, another character jumps in and says, but wait, I have this homie back in Jacksonville who was always late and I used to get mad at him. You're not doing I'm, his I, voice. It would be really embarrassing <laughs> if I tried. Um, you're just going to have to watch it. But um. Yeah, like I have this homie back in Jacksonville and he's always late and I got mad at him for always being late. And then I realized he's working multiple jobs to care for his four grandparents who are living with him. He doesn't have time to Google where to get the best tomatoes. And so similarly in our conversation, like um, Elisa, not to call you out, but you just gave an example of all the privilege that you have in being able, you have transportation, right? You have money. You didn't have to rely on the Amazon deal. You have an able, you're an able-bodied person. You can get out and buy things. So like this conversation that we're having is a highly privileged one, but I don't say that to say like, oh, it's not important. I do think it's important. And if we believe that we can do small things with great love, kind of playing on what Kayla was saying earlier, then our our small choices, what they feel like small, do have implications and consequences, and we can spread spread that um, and spend our privilege for good because we have it, right? So, like, I just want to say that for people listening who might be thinking it, um, we're we're right. we're trying to think it too. Is you know, like, trying to look at it through that lens as well. Right. I almost feel like anybody who has a platform that they can speak their, you know, their wisdom or their opinion or whatever out into the space. Like that is a privileged position, just period. There's so many of us that 
I'm so glad you said that. I almost feel like that has to be a disclaimer at like at the beginning of every everything we do because mm-hmm. I, it is important um, that we always are constantly reminding ourselves that to have these inner struggles is just the privilege of the space that we are in our lives right now. There's a ton of people that don't, you know, people like there's you know, me learning about like food deserts and me thinking, God, you know, like there's so many people that don't have the choices available to even, you know, do what they want or desire for the, it, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's yeah. hard to know, to know that. Yeah. Which leads us to a good um, place, I think, in terms of um, feeling so overwhelmed that we make no decisions at all. And so again, in the good place, cause it's ripe with examples. There's another character named Chi. Okay, I'm going to start watching it. This is it. You've, you've convinced me. <laughs> yeah. like, she's, so me she's got me hooked. Okay. Keep going. So there's a character, Chidi, who often feels paralyzed when trying to make a decision. And so instead, he makes no decisions, which is how he gets to the bad place. He makes no decisions. He gets so overwhelmed, he just can't do it. And and we've already hinted at that in our own lives. So I just wonder, like, do you all have examples of that that would be helpful um, where there were so many options you picked either the easiest and the path of least resistance or you just did nothing but then nothing implicitly or explicitly has consequences of its own i'm sure i could think of thousands but i will say that i've been like in this episode really moved by what kayla said about love like it's easy for me to just go down the path of like dang, I'm not doing this right, or I really need to be intentional, or I really need to be careful over here, or I I don't want to perpetuate all this oppression, just all these things. And my brain tends to, to do that. And it'll be really helpful moving forward to remind myself that every loving thing that I do also has ripple Mm -hmm. effects. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you, Kayla, for that, because I think my heart and my (laughs) mind really need needed to hear that part of it. Yeah, I feel like, um, well, first I'll say, like, I feel like it's really easy to um, see, like, the speck in somebody else's eye and not see the log in my own eye when it comes to this type of stuff. So I think Mm -hmm. it's actually really hard for us to point to examples because we, like, don't think about it like we don't see our own blind spots we don't we don't even know and I, and so it's really good to have community and and people in our lives who can kind of be like hey like why why did you make this decision or have you ever considered trying this you know um but i see this kind of paralyzation happen all the time and i'm i feel like i don't know if i i'm just more in tune to it now but i feel like i'm seeing it more play out across like all political ideologies and all theological ideologies like so when I was studying politics in college they kind of talk about this horseshoe effect and I don't know if you guys have heard of it but it's basically like really really liberal and really really conservative they kind of come together into this horseshoe so one side kind of moves if you could see me now you'd see my hands like making the shape of a horseshoe (laughs) but it like comes around and so um it comes back where they're very similar and so I see this with like you know 
I recently got back on Twitter, not to really join the fray, but um, for work stuff. And I see progressives, whether that's theological or political, um, you know, like saying, well, we shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And like you're doing more harm than good and don't do this. And then I see like conservatives being like, well, you have to do this and and, and you got to do it this way. And it's just like everyone has a hot take that's leading to actually zero mm-hmm. action. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for me, something I'm in tune with is adoption just because I'm an adoptive mom. And I have heard critiques, you know, like if you've listened to our pro-life episodes that we did way back in the beginning of Upside Down Podcast, we kind of talked about kind of this whole life ethic. Um, but I feel like there are a lot of examples about like caring for children who have been orphaned because there's a lot of critique on one side and and honestly rightly so about um, ethical adoptions and we need to be discerning and we need to dismantle um, oppressive systems and we need to you know support children in foster care we need to do all of these things to support families and to empower women And then you have this other side that's like, we, you know, we really value life and, um, you know, we really support adoption. Um, But then like, really, I feel like a lot of times they're not like both sides are not actually doing anything. It's a lot of mouthpiece and a lot of saying. And and in some ways we talked about that idea in our performative wokeness conversation. You know what I mean? But it's just like there's this paralyzation where there's talk but then there's no like actually getting in the mud and trying to figure it out and doing anything about it and i think that is something that i find really frustrating well it's more it's definitely more comfortable to do that like to be like this yeah this this and this and i'm not gonna somebody figure it out but it's not gonna be me right right like i it's easy to cast you know stones and throw stones to somebody that you think is doing it wrong than it is actually try to evoke change yourself, you know? And I just feel like, especially with social media, it's so easy to do that. And it's so easy for me to say in Gina's Instagram poll, yeah, I'm not going to do Amazon because I feel like, well, that's what the right thing is. But that, that doesn't mean I'm not going to go on and add four things to my cart and get two day shipping. Yeah. You know, like, like, I don't know. It's complicated. Yeah. I think comfort plays a role in that. And I also think for some people, the problems just feel too big. Um, and like, there yeah. is that sense of overwhelm and shutting down and like, I don't even know how to engage in this. It feels so big. And so it's not like, an, a voluntary a voluntary shutdown but it is still like oh i don't know and so i'm yeah just kind of feeling stuck um so i wonder like how do we protect against that how do we not get overwhelmed and shut down and just give up i agree with that Lindsay. especially like when we look at statistics about how you know individuals can actually only do so much and I think climate change is the thing that comes to mind, but this is the case for lots of different issues. Like actually we need corporations to take the lead. And then you realize like, Mm. you know, like, well, they're not doing it. So why am I bothering? Um, I don't know. It's so hard. I think that the way I'm learning how to not 
fall into despair because I'm definitely in that second category of like this problem is very, very, very big. Um, and like, uh oh, I'm just it's overwhelming me or I like overcommit myself to a lot of things that get me stretched. And then I feel like I'm kind of spinning my wheels and I'm not being really helpful in any way. So I think that like my, my strategy for 2020 is to be like, okay, I have certain gifts and certain talents and certain, um, passions. And so I feel like maybe I need to stay in my lane. It it goes a little bit back to what Kayla was saying about like, we believe, we believe in a mighty God and we believe we're not God. And so, um, like actually the saving of the world part is actually just not our responsibility. Um, and so, or we can't. There's like I, Elisa Molina, cannot save the entire world. It just, I just can't. Um, and so I think a lot about Mother Teresa and just kind of how she like just put her head down and she just kind of like she saw a, and she saw something and she was like, okay, I these these um, these I wanted these brothers and sisters in Christ. I want them to die with dignity, or I want to care for them because they're sick. And then she just went and did it. And then before you knew it, like it just like there was a lot of good that, that came of it. And so I think that I'm really going to like pay attention to like, instead of trying to be in every lane and overwhelmed by all of it, like just stick to the things that I, that bring me honestly, a lot of joy when I feel like I'm doing it correctly or helping out, I guess. I think that as people who you know, follow Jesus. A lot of times we forget, um, the Holy spirit and we forget that we aren't like alone in this journey and in this world, like we haven't been abandoned and we don't, there's no possible human way. And God understands that because God came to the world as a human and understands the limits of humanity. There's no mm-hmm. possible way for us to be completely a hundred percent active in all of the ills of the world. Like we know that, right? Like as, as human beings, but we can be compassionate and loving in all things. And I think that the spirit helps us and guides us in that. And we have to be open to that. And we have to be open to listening when other people say, actually, what you thought you did was loving when you wanted to be a missionary actually was pretty harmful. Like we have to be open to that correction, but we don't have to carry the burden of the whole world. Like you were saying, Elisa on us. And, and as people who believe in this like triune God, that's like a great mystery and we can barely even unpack it all. (laughs) There's some comfort there, right? There's some comfort in the mystery of knowing that, you know, Jesus said, I'm leaving you something even better. I'm I'm leaving my spirit with you, you know, to guide us. So that's good. And I think just to kind of add them to what both of you are saying, when I think about this, I think, um, like, I don't know, just this analogy that like we, 
most of us have too many tabs open, right? Like in our brains, there's just too many tabs open. Oh, yeah. And we so, were literally just talking about literal tabs. <laughs> actual tabs. Too many tabs. <laughs> yeah. In all the places. And so I think for me, and this goes along with what you guys are saying, like the, I, I feel the need to get quiet and local and maybe even hyper local to like my, you know, four or five, 10 block radius, like get yes. hyper, hyper, hyper local and ask God mm-hmm. and ask the most marginalized person around us, what's the work that is mine to do and to stay close to the people whose, um, whose oppression intersects with my privilege, right? That's an Ijoma Oluo quote from her book. So you want to talk about race, but like she asked mm-hmm. the question, where does my privilege intersect with somebody else's oppression? That's your work. Oh my gosh. Wow. For me, it's it's that. It's like I'm gonna get really hyper local and I'm gonna ask God and I'm gonna ask the most marginalized person around me, like, hey, what's my work here? Um and then and then do that. Like put your head down, like you're saying, and and do those things. Um and I think too remembering like how huge humility is in this. Um and it's it's way easier to say than it is to do, but like to recognize like I haven't always known the things that I know. I haven't always been through the experiences that I've been through today. And so I think there's also speaking of Twitter, Kayla, this um this sort of sense that like once you get quote unquote woke, there's a tendency to look down upon those who are less woke than you are. Um and we often forget like I used to be that white savior. That was really embarrassing, you know, and like said some really horrible things like that used to be me. So like, Mm -hmm. can we collectively, we, um, yeah, man, just be more compassionate and humility, um, I think is like the road to, um, solidarity, which I think is what we're also seeking in this. Um, yes. And just remembering where we came from, right? Like, remember, (laughs) like I used to be that person Mm -hmm. that said some really stupid things and didn't know what they were talking about. So and I'm finding that humility for me does not really go well or hand in hand with a lot or too much social media time. Like, you mm. know what I mean? It just, it inflates my, I think it inflates my ego or how much I, th- wise I think I, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I'm finding yeah. that, um, quiet, like, oh, being, like you said, getting quiet, getting closer, like even just in my own house <laughs> and, and how I am, yeah. how I'm, who and how, who I'm being to the people here and, and how I'm, um, putting the things that I really, really believe in, in place in my home. And it, it right, like what you said, just really close by here. Um, I think that that is a lot more healthy for me when it comes to humility than to try to wow or um, impress maybe people that mm-hmm. are are on the internet. I'm not saying that the internet is not a good place because yeah. I actually would know none of you <laughs> if, if not for the internet. So right. like, um, so it's definitely, there are some definite wonderful blessings, but I, for myself, that's why I know that it's really imperative for me to carve time away because for me, it does not feed my, my need to, to grow in, in humility. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think there's this like, I don't know, like if any of you guys feel this way, but I feel like it's like, well, once I accomplish one thing, then I have to move on to the next thing and then the next thing. But then it's yes. like all the other relationships don't go away, you know? So it's like, well, now I have this relationship or now, you know, I've done this and I've done this, but now I have to keep adding more or right. something like mm -hmm. this is not an episode our lives are not episodes of the good place god is not giving us <laughs> points for the good things that we do like this is why we have jesus right. <laughs> so right. but that's like really it's really hard to do especially it's for super countercultural oh, right gosh. now yeah like, right for the time that we're in is very countercultural just accumulation yeah. in general I just, I, I yeah. Oh, there are sure. so many times where I like literally am the awkward, weird person in a conversation because I cannot contribute to like what is going on here because it's just not really where I am. And that is not to sound like, oh, look at me. I'm just like trying to be the next Mother Teresa. Like it just isn't, it's just not where my headspace is. And so to be upside down is, is in the in the world of accumulation is oh my gosh like you you stick out big time yeah yeah that's like a whole nother episode I oh feel like. my gosh it really yeah. is <laughs> i want to end um with the question um what does the life of jesus teach us about what it means to be human in a complicated world mm. oh that's beautiful mm -hmm. i think it i think the life of jesus teaches us about balance and I think I've often heard used like the example that, you know, Jesus was in crowds and he was with the disciples and then he went to the mountain alone. Um, I don't know, just always like, no, you know, Jesus is the only person ever to know how to strike a perfect balance in life. Um, but I don't know, definitely something to work toward. I like that, Gina. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is such a good question. I feel like books have been written on it and will be written on it. Um, so this is just me like off the cuff. So take it for, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I feel like relationship, um, you know, being human is so much about relationship in a complicated world. Because if I see, you know, as we're recording, literally there is news coming in about more bombings going off. Um, and if I see other people as just my enemy then the world is just gonna stay more and more and more boxed off and black and white and way complicated even if I've made it seem easier because there's clear who's my neighbor and who's my enemy mm. but if I hear a story about a family that lives on the other side of the world who people in my country are telling me are my enemies and they are a family just like me and, and a mom who's trying to provide for her kids, then you know what? It breaks things down. And then what do you know? I'm at the mall and I see a mom who, you know, looks like she's from that country. And I strike up, strike up a conversation with her and I realize we're we have relationship, like we're not so different. We're neighbors, you know, like I feel like Jesus models that he's, he slowed down and he talked to people and he told stories. And I think there's so much power in that. And we need that. We need relationship and we need stories that make us think differently and point us to love. Um, and, and I think Jesus did that. Amen. 
One of my favorite propaganda songs is It's Complicated. Um, <laughs> and my favorite line, the song is amazing. It's it's actually a spoken word, but um, it kind of encompasses, I think, what you just said, which is, may we be refuge for the complicated. Mm. Um, and I think, like, as followers of Jesus, that is our opportunity. That is our invitation to be a refuge Um for the complicated, the complicated humans and the complicated situations and all of the, all of the things in the world that just feel so heavy and so big. Um, like, can we be a refuge for that? Um, I think Jesus embodied that, you know, as a human. So any last words? Man, that's like such a great quote to end on. Yes. Oh my gosh. I think I needed this so episode more than... <laughs> More than I knew. Like, this is a really great way to begin um, begin the year. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate, you know, poking at myself and, like, I thinking about some of these hard things that are hard and, and admitting where I've fallen short, but also, um, you know, giving grace and and, and learning more so I can do better next time. So thanks for, yeah, thank you. Thanks for leading us, Lindsay. Of course. Well, for all of you who are listening, you can learn more at upside downpodcast.com or upside down podcast on Instagram. And that's where we share all of our show notes. And you are always welcome to join our upside down together listener group on Facebook. We kind of process through the episodes, um, bring up questions. There's always somebody who has really thoughtful advice and we just kind of do it all through the lens of God's upside down kingdom. And we also just want to say thank you to our patrons. We see you. We are so, so grateful for you. Without you, this podcast would literally, and I don't say that lightly, like literally this podcast would not exist. We could not pay our bills. We could not have these mics. And we are so, so <laughs> grateful for you. And even just like a few bucks really adds up. So thank you for supporting independent podcasts. If you visit upsidedownpodcast.com slash giving, you can partner with us and sign up to join our Patreon community where we have a growing collection of bonus episodes featuring one-on-one -on -one conversations about faith and justice and um we also do a monthly um, newsletter roundup that is will give you enough information to read for an entire month wouldn't you say absolutely <laughs> oh i love it so much man i love it <laughs> so thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the upside down podcast New episodes are released on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. The Upside Down Podcast is created by Lindsay Wallace, Kayla Craig, Elisa Molina, and Gina Siliberto. Our show notes are written by Lana Smith. Johnny Craig and Tess Malone edit the episodes, and our theme music is Dreamers Act by DJ Sean P. And of course, our monthly patrons make everything possible.